moving away from a hopeless end to an endless hope. Next on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. The past 12 months have been challenging, to put it mildly. Some of you may have lost friends or family to COVID-19. Others have lost their business. When times get tough like this, where do you turn and who can you trust? Well, today on Abounding Grace, we take a look at John chapter 11, where we find a family that's in grief and suffering. Lazarus had become sick and died. But in the midst of it all, Jesus shows up and conveys a powerful truth, something, by the way, we can cling to right now. Here's Pastor Ed Taylor with our Easter special, I Am Life. Would you please take your Bibles, open them to the book of John, the Gospel of John, where we drop into the life of a family. It would be very similar if we were to drop into your life today. Jesus meeting you where you are. Now chapter 11 is a very difficult chapter because the family is suffering. They're suffering greatly. Chapter 11 opens up with a certain man that was sick. His name is Lazarus and they lived in Bethany. This is the town of Mary and her sister Martha. It was that Mary who anointed the Lord with fragrant oil and wiped his feet with her hair. Whose brother Lazarus was sick. Therefore, the sisters sent to him saying, Lord, behold, he whom you love is sick. And when Jesus heard that, he said, this sickness is not unto death, but for the glory of God, that the Son of God may be glorified through it. And now Jesus loved Mary, or loved Martha and her sister and Lazarus. And when he heard that he was sick, he stayed two more days in the place where he was. Can I ask you a question? Who do you trust when times get tough? Who do you trust when times get tough? Where do you turn? What is it that gives you a, a peace and an encouragement? How do you cope? Because if there's one thing we can expect in life, it's tough times. We live in a sin-sick world. In Luke chapter 21, let me just read it to you in verse 25. Jesus said in the last days, and I know there's a lot of discussion about the last days. There has been a lot of discussion about the last days for a long time now. And it seems like every generation, oh, you're not saying, oh, we're in the last days. Oh, and it's almost been, become something that's a mockery and made fun of. But listen, friend, we are living in the last days. Every generation that was waiting for the soon return of Jesus Christ believed, as we do today, that they were living in the last days, except that what we're seeing today in our generation, technology, uh, technologically, you know, globally, we're seeing things that no generation has ever seen before. I mean, the greatest sign that we're in the last days was the rebirth of the nation of Israel, the most significant prophetic thing to happen in our generation. And here we are in the last days. And Jesus said there'll be signs in the sun and in the moon 
and in the stars and on the earth. There'll be distress of nations with perplexity. The sea and the waves will roar. Men's hearts will fail them from fear and the expectation of those things which are coming on the earth for the powers of the heavens will be shaken. Then you'll see the Son of Man coming in a cloud with great power and great glory. And when you see these things begin to happen, look up and lift up your heads because your redemption draws near. And I can think of no more difficult time on the earth personally and painfully than the loss of a loved one. And here, Mary and Martha, they lose their brother. And notice when they sent word when he was sick and alive, Jesus purposely waited two days before he arrived. And it was during that time that Lazarus died. And here they are, wondering about life. You have to understand, the culture surrounding Mary and Martha at this time, the Greek culture, there was no hope after death. There was no hope in the afterlife. In the face of death, the pagan world was in despair. They met it with grim resignation and bleak hopelessness. Not unlike the world in which we live that has this mindset of eat, drink, and be merry because tomorrow we die. There's this bleak hopelessness. But Jesus comes right in the middle of a hopeless situation with hope. And when he arrives, he begins to speak the truth. And if there's anything that we need during a time of great difficulty, and we need the truth. We need to be men and women, boys and girls, that speak the truth in love. That tell people the truth about life. That tell people the truth about death. And tell people the truth about the hope of the resurrection that's found by faith in Jesus Christ. So I want you to fast forward in John to verse 25, where Jesus drops in. Well, pick up with me in verse 20. Then Martha, as soon as she heard that Jesus was coming, went and met him. But Mary was sitting in the house. Then Martha said to Jesus, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Can you hear the disappointment? If you would have been here things would have been different. And there's a, if you look at that question from the other side of it, the other side of that question could be, where were you? Where were you in my deepest need? Because if you were here, things would be different. But even now, in verse 22, even now, my brother, I know that whatever you ask of God, God will give you. And Jesus said to her, your brother will rise again. And Martha said to him, I know that he'll rise again in the resurrection at the last day. And listen to what Jesus says. This is so powerful. Jesus said to her, I am the resurrection and the life. He who believes in me, though he may die, he shall live. And whoever lives and believes in me shall never die. Do you believe this? <laughs> what a powerful statement Jesus makes. It's another one of those I am statements. I am. John has taken us through in his gospel many I am statements that reflect the divinity of Jesus Christ, his deity. Back in chapter 4, he says, I who speak to you am he. In chapter 6, he says, I am the bread of life. 
In chapter 8, he says, I'm the light of the world. Again, in chapter 8, he says, if you don't believe that I am. Again, in chapter 8, Jesus says, I, before Abraham was, I am. I am the good shepherd, chapter 10. I am the door, chapter 10. Fast forward to chapter 15, I am the vine. Here he says, I am the resurrection and the life. Chapter 13 says you, that you might believe that I am. Chapter 14, I am the way, the truth, and the life. And each time Jesus said it, he was saying that he was God. You see, God shows up in the midst of our pain. Oh, not that he wasn't there before. I guess it's better to say, because I think that that statement gives us that sense of looking for him. When somebody shows up, you look for him. You look for them. And so to say that with that, that perspective, it's like, yes, when, when you're in pain and difficulty, Jesus Christ is there. He shows up. But, but the other side of that coin is probably better put this way. When in the deep parts of pain and sorrow and grief and difficulty and pressure and problems, we begin to look for God. Are you looking for God today? Do you feel like Martha did? If you were here, this wouldn't have happened. Are you sitting in a jail cell right now, literally? Never before have I been more appreciative of our radio station than I am today. Because knowing that radio and that simplicity of technology is reaching into places that online services will never be able to reach. Are you listening to this in a jail cell? Are you listening or watching this in a hospital room? Are you sitting around the front room considering both the life the death and the resurrection of Jesus Christ, but also looking at the situation that you're in. Well, God shows up in pain, and he shows up with the truth. Jesus shows up and declares his divinity. He, he says that I am. Any Jewish mind would remember when God revealed himself to Moses, he declared, and Moses said, if I'm going to go for you, if I'm going to be your messenger, who should I say sent me? Which is a great thing. Who sent me? And God's response is, you tell them that I am sent you, the becoming one. When Jesus speaks these I am statements, he's equating himself with God because he is. God says that I am the becoming one. I am whatever you need. It, it, it's not the revelation of God is not I was. The revelation of God is not I will be, but I am. Jehovah, simply to be. And if you tuned in today and you're watching this Bible study receiving it and you have a need, which we really all do. All of us have great needs. God says to you, I am. Perhaps the need is financial. Maybe you need wisdom. Maybe you need help. Maybe you need healing. God reveals himself as Jehovah Jireh. The Lord will provide in Genesis chapter 22. Maybe the need in your life is protection, comfort, covering. Well, God reveals himself as Jehovah Nissi. The Lord is my banner, Exodus 17. Perhaps your need is peace. Well, God reveals himself as Jehovah Shalom. The Lord is peace, Judges chapter 6. Maybe it's isolated, anxious, feeling alone. God reveals himself as Jehovah Shammah. The Lord is there, Ezekiel chapter 48. It could be sickness in your body. 
And God reveals himself as Jehovah Rapha, the God who heals, Exodus chapter 15. What about this delay? Jesus delays his coming by two days. And, and we're not really encouraged by the delays of God. Uh, most times, the delays of God bring us great discouragement. Because we're so conditioned, we want things to happen now. And we have things figured out. I mean, as you take an inventory right now, consider how you have solutions already that, you know, if we would just implement this solution, if we could just take care of this, and if we could just do it this way, and then only to find out that your solution isn't what's asked for in the moment, that, that nobody's even asking for your solution right now, but there's a delay, and a delay, and then another announcement, and then another delay, and right when you thought things were going to get better, another delay, and so we respond to the delays of things in our lives with great discouragement, but just because God delays, listen, just because God delays doesn't mean he doesn't care. Doesn't mean that he doesn't care. Sometimes God's delays, no, not even sometimes, all the times that God delays in our lives, even the delay that we're currently in, every single time God is revealing to himself to us in a new, fresh way. A way different than what we're used to or even expect. Delays in our lives tell us that it's not the right timing. Delays in our lives tell us that God's going to show us something great. God is always working for his glory and our good. And so Jesus comes to Martha on his timing. And yes, sometimes the timing of God will lead to even greater pain in our lives. Even greater difficulty. And we think, man, can I just get a break sometimes? Can I just get a break? It seems like life has been one significant thing after another. And I've heard from many, and I've spoken to many, and I've emailed with many, and I've texted back with many in the last few weeks, only to find out not only are there great restrictions and isolation and stay-at-home orders and things, but in the midst of that, you had even greater pain happen in your life. And I want you to know that God cares, and I'm sorry. I'm sorry for the difficulty. I'm sorry for the tension. There are times in my life where I, you know, like, like when your kids were getting sick. I remember when my kids were young and they would get sick and I'd, I'd literally lay over them when they had a fever. I'd lay over them and I would just ask God, and he never did grant this to me, but I would just ask God if I could take their sickness for a moment, if I could just relieve the pressure, I would take it upon myself. How much more, how much more does God care? As a dad cares for his kids, how much more does God care as a heavenly father? So Jesus, he comes with compassion. It's almost as if when Jesus answers her, you know, you're thinking in the theological realm, Martha. You're thinking about what's going to happen. You're thinking about a Bible study you heard. You're thinking about the resurrection. But I'm telling you, I am the resurrection. I am life. And even though a person dies, when they have, by, by faith in me, they will live forever. And anyone that lives and believes in me will really never die. I'm the resurrection and the life, and what you need is me right now. More than a theological teaching, more than a Bible study, more than a three-point sermon, Jesus comes in the midst of pain and says, look, all of those, all of those things, a theological thing, a Bible study, all of those things are great, but what you need is me. Do you believe this? 
do you believe what I'm saying to you now? I am the resurrection and the life. I, Jesus says, not a church, not a movement, not a denomination, obviously not a building. Jesus says, I am, I am. And I love her answer in verse 27. It says, come back to John with me as we wind down here. He says, she she answers and says, yes, Lord, I believe that you're the Christ, the son of God who will come into the world. And when she had said these things, she went her way and secretly called Mary, her sister, saying, the teacher has come and is calling for you. And as soon as she heard that, she arose quickly and came to him. And Jesus had not yet come into the town, but was in the place where Martha met him. Verse 31. Then the Jews who were with her in the house were comforting her. And when they saw that Mary rose up quickly, they went out, followed her, saying, She's going to the tomb to weep there. And then Mary came where Jesus was and saw him, fell down at his feet, saying, Lord, if you had been here my brother would not have died. So you can tell they've been talking about this. They've been considering it. Do you know all the things that are even in your mind and your heart right now, God knows that you've been considering things. And I just sense that there's, a, there's someone watching and listening right now that's considering ending your life because it's been so hard. And I've come, and this time today, we've come to share with you and remind you that your life is valuable. And would you please talk to somebody that your life is important and it's hard and it's challenging. And maybe you feel like this very statement, Lord, if you, Jesus, if you, maybe it's not even a tender way, maybe you're angry and you're frustrated. God, if you, God, why? God, if you would have only, and God is speaking life into you right now. He's reminding you he's the resurrection and that you've been put on this planet for a purpose in this time period right now. And we're going to make it. We're going to get through. Would you call someone? Would you reach out? We have a text line right here. It's open 24 hours, seven days a week. You can text us directly. You ready? Write this down. Text us. 720-336-0897. Text us. Just, just have us to begin praying for you. If, if you're younger, tell your mom or your dad what you're going through. If you're married, talk to your spouse. Reach out. You're not as alone as it feels right now. Jesus was asked this question. How many times we've, Jesus has been asked this question so many times. It's so challenging. Well, as we continue on reading, it's as, there, as the question comes, verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who came with her weeping, he groaned in his spirit and was troubled himself. We see his great divinity, but now we see his humanity. He's hurting too. And he says in verse 34, where have you laid him? And they said to him, Lord, come and see. And then he says in verse 35, It says, Jesus wept. Jesus wept. God brings us to situations that are hard and tough and difficult. We then cry out to him in faith, trusting him. And we know who who he is and how he showed himself before. But sometimes we question God's faithfulness. We, We question his plan. 
And it, it sounds something like this, you know, God, if, if you're good, then why? God, if you're faithful, then why? God, you've let the whole bottom fall out. And, and, and really all this time of revelation of where we are in relationship to him, especially in that time of waiting and especially in that time of loss. I'm sure there isn't one of us that if I was to say, hey, anybody doubt the power of God? Nobody would raise their hands. Nobody. We don't doubt that God has the ability to do great and wonderful things. We've actually experienced God's ability to do great and wonderful things. We love him and we know him and we've watched him be faithful in the past. Our lives right now, as we, we think about a G, hashtag, Jesus changed my life. Our lives right now is proof positive that God works miracles, that he opens blind eyes, that he brings the spiritually dead to life. That's power. And it's not that we doubt that. We know that God has power. We know that he's faithful. But the question on our mind is this. It's not God's ability, but it's God's willingness. Is he willing to act? And as I'm praying, am I praying for his will to be done on earth as it is in heaven? Or am I praying for my will to be done? Because anytime I pray for my will to be done and it doesn't line up with God's, I'm disappointed. I'm setting myself up for failure. This interaction between the sisters and Jesus is beautiful. It's, it's amazing. It says in verse 35 that Jesus wept. And then the Jews said, see how he loved him. And some of them said, could not this man who opened the eyes of the blind also kept, kept this man from dying? If you like to write in your Bibles, you can write next to in verse 37. The answer to the question is yes. Jesus could have kept this whole situation differently. But remember what he said in verse 4. This sickness is not unto death, but it's for the glory of God. That's what God is working out in our lives. It's for his glory to bring attention to him and his power. That's why we live. That's why we breathe. Well, one thing that you'll notice the longer you live with Jesus Christ is that people will often misunderstand you. And I don't mean like in the super negative way, like slander and gossip and stuff. Like the people that purposely lie about you. And I'm not talking about that. The, the, they, those type of people, they don't misunderstand you. They know the truth and choose to lie anyway. No, what I'm talking about is the new, in your new life, it doesn't make sense to people. You being born again, living now according to a different standard, living now according to the purposes and plans of God, doesn't make sense to people. That Why are you always talking about God, they say. Why are you going to church again? Or even in the context of our time now, why are you sitting around in your room watching a live television, live service or a worship service on your television or on your iPad? Or why is your radio station always like, like people don't understand you? They don't understand the new language that you have. As you begin to speak forth God's word into your life, you'll be misunderstood. It will happen. And it does happen. And it might even lead to serious persecution. And yet even in the misunderstandings, even when people see things differently, Jesus, he's with you in the midst of that difficulty. He's with you. He's with us. That's Pastor Ed Taylor on Abounding Grace. We just listened into a special message called I Am Life. You can hear it again online at AboundingGraceRadio.com. 
A moment ago, Pastor Ed gave out a text line that you can use to send us prayer requests. Now, I want to repeat that for you. It's 720-336-0897. Again, 720-336-0897. We hope to hear from you soon. We know we should study the Bible, but many Christians aren't sure how to go about it, or they find it less than enjoyable. Well, we picked out a resource that can help. It's from Skip Heitzig, and the book is aptly titled, How to Study the Bible and Enjoy It. As the title would suggest, Pastor Skip will inspire you to enjoy studying the Bible as God intends and discover its power and relevance to your life. And we'll gladly send you a copy for a donation of $25 or more to Abounding Grace. Thank you for remembering us in your prayers and giving to the Lord. Your gift, whatever the size, will serve to help us reach thousands with the message of Christ. Reach us toll free at 877-30-GRACE. Again, 877-30-GRACE. Remember, Jesus is the resurrection and the life. And because he lives, you can too, through faith in him. Happy Easter, and we'll see you back here on Monday when Pastor Ed Taylor will return to Hebrews on Abounding Grace. This is amazing grace. Abounding Grace is brought to you by Calvary Church, Colorado, here in Aurora.